Welcome and thank you for listening to this message from Legacy Church New Braunfels. To connect with us, go to LegacyNB.com. Now enjoy this message from Pastor Stephen Dow. Everybody say, yay God. So we're going to relaunch VeggieTales today here. It's my friend Larry and Larry Jr. Um, oh, come on. How many, how many of y'all had kids in that age group already? All right, so all right. We still sing the songs, and yeah, it's, it's on there. So uh, last week before I bring up uh, Pastor Stephen to, to preach, um, we, we talked about prospering and what the Lord's taken us into this season and how it's important for us to sow seeds into you guys. And the seed is, a lot of times, it's, the Word of God is a seed that if you allow it to get deep into your heart, it will actually produce an abundant crop, 30, 60, 100 fold. And so last week, uh, we got home, we had, some, had a couple over for dinner, and we were showing them in our backyard, we've had this raised garden that, quite frankly, for three years or so, it hasn't produced well, it hadn't produced a squash or squat. And so it was like, we were, we were talking back in April. It was like, maybe we just need to dig it up and do something else with that, you know, that space or whatever. And then the Lord dropped it on Kelly's heart. He says, no, no, no. I want you to plant seed one more time. I want you to continue to be faithful with what, what I've called you to. And so she had ordered some seeds and planted squash and, and planted the seed right before we had the, the uh, uh, courts of heaven when all of my brothers came in, stuff in April, uh, which was also, incidentally, the, the last time we did courts, uh, the fire on the altar, which was an amazing time. And so uh, we're, we're, I was showing the couple, like, because this thing was flowering, you know, all over the, uh, uh, at the sides, and we're looking down, and he goes, what is that? And what that was, was this gigantic squash. So now it's my new workout program. You know, I'm going through it. And so it's just this plant of seed. And then right next to it was this thing, which if I saw this first, I would have thought it was the biggest squash I'd ever seen and, and whatnot. And then I swear to you, there was nothing else on the vine at all because we, we looked. A couple days later, there was three more this size. And so I'm telling you, as it's a supernatural thing, what God is doing, and we feel like there's this word of how he wants to prosper you in order for you to be able to be a blessing to the nations, the way that the kingdom of God is going to be expanded is the way the Father prospers his children so that they actually become a sign that God is a good Father, amen? And so I just want to prophesy over you guys, the seeds that you've, pro- you've planted over the years, and whether that was sowing seed financially or that's been sowing into the lives of other people, and it felt like you weren't growing anything, you weren't seeing anything come back. I'm telling you, now is the season where we're going to see an expansion, and it's not just going to be little things. It's going to be above and beyond. What's Ephesians 3.20, right? You will do infinitely more than you can might ask, think, or imagine. This is what the Lord's doing, and so uh, it, we're just believing for this, and, and it was funny. Cindy went up to a, a conference with one of our good friends, Bob Long, this week at FMCI, and and on each table were squash, like the size of this on there. And they were saying, this is a prophetic act of what God's doing in this season, right? Uh, back when Isabel was with us in November, she, she gave us a word uh, that it was going to be like an Amos where the, the, uh, uh, the plower is going to overtake the, you know, the sower and the reaper. And she says, you're entering into, get your hands ready. You're going to need your hands free because you're going to be you're going to be harvesting with one hand and you're going to be planting seeds with another and you're not going to be able to do it fast enough for the harvest and the fruit that's going to be coming. Now, can that show up financially? Of course it does. But it's not just about finances. We're talking about in your marriage, in your relationship with your kids, with your coworkers, what the Lord wants to do in our city, which is supernatural transformation. This is the season. And I don't care what the news says. I don't care what's going on in the White House or, or any other place. What I'm telling you is God's house is going to prosper. 
Not just like his people are going to prosper, and that's what's going to bring supernatural kingdom transformation. And so I just want you to expect it. So just before, real quick, why don't you stand up with me? And I want to release just an impartation for advancement right now in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, we just release what you've done in the natural means, but with squash. Lord God, we know you want to do infinitely above and beyond what we ask, might ask, think, or imagine. And so I pray right now, I, I just prosper right now. I just declare there's prosperity coming into the hearts, to the minds, into the households, and into the finances of every single person that's listening to the sound of my voice right now. We come into agreement with the now word, the, the word that says you are advancing, that now it's time to have our hands free because we're going to be able to harvest and plant seeds. And so we thank you, God, that you've given us bread to eat and that you've given us seed to sow, Lord God. And so we're just positioning ourselves, Lord God, to see the expansion. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Come on, somebody give a shout of praise to that. Y'all can have a seat. We're going to do the Catholic thing. You're going to have to get back up in a second, but it's okay. I grew up Catholic, so I can say it. So anyway, um, one of the things that, another way we're seeing the Lord prosper is this, is we, we've talked about kingdom and kingdom family. And I was telling somebody recently that I've been pretty convinced that the kingdom message, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added, is the great equalizer to the challenges our world face. And it is also the thing that will actually help the church become really the church right? We get caught up in religion and all that stuff. It's like, no, no, the kingdom message is going to do it. But even more, the greatest part of the kingdom message is kingdom family. Because God is a father and he's looking to plant. Who's the one that gave it? He, the Lord wants to plant a family on the earth that actually is fruitful and multiplies and gives him glory. And so it, we, we're seeing this happen in like ways I've ever seen. But when we first started it, we were just talking about this is what we believe God wants to do, but we didn't have the fruit yet. All we could do is cast a vision to you guys to say, hey, here's what God's going to begin to do. We're beginning to harvest it. And the way it's starting to show up is this, the man who's going to preach today, he's my brother-in-law. <laughs> um, it's kingdom family. It's not just me trying to be a father. It's about a company of fathers and mothers. And, and so, uh, so Stephen and Catherine, I had the pleasure of doing their, their wedding years ago, but at that point, they were still kind of walking through, and he'll share his testimony at some point. But, but when we really connect, he says, I knew that we were supposed to run together. The, the word was, you saw destiny uh, was on our relationship. And in this last year, since he has become our men's pastor, I'm telling you what right now, I've sat back and watched. The reason you're talking about 45% of the men are actually volunteering in kids' ministry, that does not happen in churches, y'all. It's, it's usually 75, 85, 90% women is because this man is a father in the kingdom. And he's begun to father. He's begun to sow seed. He's begun to set a standard. He's a plumb line of what father, the heart of the father looks like. And so it's an honor to have the first time that he's going to preach in this church be on Father's Day. Um, he and Catherine and a bunch of other one of the people went through their school for kingdom and advancement. And their last assignment was you're supposed to give a five to eight minute message. And he gets up and he begins to release a seed of the message you're about to hear. And, I, and we're all in the room going like in tears. Like you could just feel the father move in the room. I'm like, well, guess when you're preaching next, buddy? It's Father's Day, and you've got to bring that message too. So why don't you all stand up and just give a warm welcome 
to Pastor Stephen. Hello? Ah, there I am. I'm very glad they gave me this because I was worried about the, the shaking of the hand. There we go. Well, before I get started, I really felt like I wanted to do this. I just wanted to recognize every father and spiritual father in the house. If you guys could stand for us so that we could recognize you. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And for my own nerves and also for the sake of moving forward, I'm going to pray. Father, I love you. Your heart beats in my chest. I come to impart a message from you today to deliver the heart of the Father. As I speak the message you've given me, Lord, would you breathe on it? Holy Spirit, I ask for you to come. And have your way here today. Dance among your people. Set them on fire. Give them vision for the future. Thank you for fathers. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So I wrote this down. It's kind of a um, target of what I'm looking for with the men within Legacy. And I wanted to make sure I didn't forget anything. And I said, I long to see men take their rightful place. I want legacy men to be known as fathers, sons, brothers that pursue the presence of God, pursue an active relationship with God, and do family and community with excellence. This is a journey that I've already started and I continue to be on for the rest of my life. And I feel today I want to call more people in to join me and to get a broader vision of what fatherhood looks like. And to explain kind of, maybe to bring some understanding for those who don't know me, why this burns so deeply within me, I was going to share two testimonies with you. The power of the testimony. So the first one is, is um, I was raised my entire life spirit-filled Christian. I had a dad who read the Bible with me. I remember teaching me to speak in tongues, you know, that awkward phase where you're just making the noises and... (laughs) You know, and he was always there for me along the way. And um, people ask me, do you remember when you got saved? And I'm like, no, Um, I just was raised in the church. I think I responded to every altar call there ever was. So it got mixed in there. I know it stuck at some point during that time. Um, When I was about 16 years old, um, to protect my dad, I'm not going to get too deep into it. But when I was 16 years old, my dad came to me, the one who raised me as a Christian, and he said, it's all a crock. It's not real. It's not real. He doesn't answer prayers. That's very hard for a 16-year-old to swallow. When one of his idols tells him something so foundational and just blows it up overnight. And for a short period of time, if you ask him, this is debatable on how long of a period of time, he was an angry atheist. And that was not a fun house neighbor. But what was really special to me is that um, 
he would go outside and light up a cigarette and he would smoke outside and he'd look up at the stars and just have his alone time. Mom wouldn't let that happen in the house. And I remember one night I was uh, walking into the kitchen to get a snack at night and he walks in and he's got this look on his face. This gave me hope for the future. I didn't intend to share this part. Um, He walked in and he goes, looking up at those stars tonight, there's no way you can't tell me there's not a God. So he became a deist. He believes in a creator God, but not a God that wants to have a personal relationship with us. But in a very short short time, at least gave me hope. (laughs) You know, because he even said it takes more faith to be an atheist than a Christian. So during that time, I was hurting. I mean, my world was shook, like I've already said. And my mom, God bless you, mom, I love you. She ran to church and she found a pastor and said, this is what's going on with my son. This is what's going on in my household. And he needs a strong voice in his life. He needs help. I can't do this on my own. And so there was a pastor named Phil Beekler. If you're watching, I love you. Thank you. And he agreed to take me on. He said that I will, meet, I will meet with him once a week. We're not going to set a date on this. This doesn't have to be the rest of our lives kind of thing. But once a week, I'll agree to meet, meet with your son. And he can ask me whatever questions that he needs. Because like I said, my dad was pointing out all the contradictions as well. Like if there was one angel, if there was two. You know, the different little things that people bring up about contradictions. And so once a week, I would show up at Barnes & Noble with Phil Beekler. He said, bring your Bible. We'd open up the Bible across from each other. He'd buy me a, a coffee. And he'd say, ask away. And he wouldn't rush it. And I would sit there for an hour, two hours, sometimes longer. And we, each week we would just go through the Bible and he would go down whatever list I had prepared in advance. Um, out of that, I ended up traveling overseas with him, um, going into Turkey, going to underground churches in Turkey. I've been to South Africa, following along with him. I think it was 18 or 19 years old. I always tease my mom. I said, I can't believe you let me go. But we went to Turkey where if you say Jesus in public, they would have thrown you in jail. And we're sneaking into underground churches. And I'm like, um, there's some really cool testimonies with that. But I say this is, what would my life have looked like if Phil Beekler wasn't willing to fill in the gap and step up? You know, because I have a wonderful father. I love my dad. He is a great man. I I really love him so much, but I had a hole. I had a hole. You don't have to limit yourself to one father. You can have multiple fathers if you want to call them mentors or whatever word you might choose. But we need those in our lives. And so that's my first testimony, the importance of the difference that Phil Beekler made in my life because he was willing to step up. The second one, and I'm going to be brief and amazing with this one because it's the topic of divorce. (laughs) There can be the oversharing. But I will say that one night I came home from work to an empty house. My wife was gone. My three children were gone. As a result, I went through bankruptcy, foreclosure. My car was repoed. I lost my job. Am I forgetting anything? Pretty much anything that wasn't like attached to my body was gone. (laughs) It was all taken away like that. And until recently, um, very recently, it had been 13 years since I had touched or held my children. So that's the other part of the testimony that show you, I see the difference that a dad makes because I saw the difference that it made in my life. But then I also now had this burning desire as a father wanting to father, and I felt like that was torn away from me. But he's faithful, and he's good. 
um, I now stand here. Two of the three kids are in my life, very much in my life. Some of you have even already seen them here. One daughter, one son, and now we're praying in the other one, and uh, she should be here shortly. Um, last we discussed, actually, all three kids have semi-committed to being here for Thanksgiving. So God is good. You make this look way too easy. You too. <laughs> yeah. And now I want to give you a couple of numbers to consider. Um, these were blowing me away as I was researching this. It says, per the America First Policy Institute, the 2022 Census Bureau, says approximately 18.3 million children live without a father in the home. That's just within the United States, comprising about one in every four children. And that's not even counting fathers that are present, but emotionally not present. Really start doing the math there. Research shows that when fathers are involved, their children are two times more likely to go to college. 80%, oops, I skipped ahead. 80% less likely to spend time in jail. 75% less likely to experience teen pregnancy. Children in father-absent homes account for 71% of all high school dropouts. 90% of homeless and runaway children. And 63% of youth suicides. We are called men to speak identity into our children. Our society is hurting. They don't know who they are. They're looking for truth, and it's our job to speak that truth in love, to be a standard for them, to speak life into them. And to make my point, I'm going to steal, I didn't ask direct permission, <laughs> but to steal a story from Chris Valaton. And I probably won't tell it as good as him. He's a master storyteller, but I'll call it the elephant story. I don't know if a couple of you have heard the elephant story, but it's powerful. And so there was two... Um, two parks. One was already fully stocked with all the, you know, the big five, all the African, you know, animals and all that. And then one was empty. They had just commissioned it as it were, and they were filling it with animals. And so they needed to get some elephants. They wanted to move some elephants over to the new park. So they were using helicopters and harnesses to carry them over. Problem was they didn't make the harnesses big enough for the big bull elephants. It just couldn't handle the weight. So they ended up taking all the juvenile elephants and some of the, um, matriarchs, I guess is the word, or the female elephants, flying them over to the new park. And very soon they found that the park was being destroyed. Destroyed by elephants. They had white, rhinos, white rhinoceroses. <laughs> and they're uh, endangered species, and they were finding them gored and stomped to death. And it was just, it was utter, utter havoc. And they're like, what is going on? This is not how elephants behave. So all the smart people got together and tried to come up with a plan of what could they possibly do. They knew that some of these young males also were full of testosterone, and they were getting them, amen, <laughs> so, and getting themselves in trouble with too much testosterone and no healthy place to put it. No boundaries were in place. So they, they went ahead and invested, and they got enough money to put together big harnesses and fly some big bulls over to the new park. Problem fixed. When the fathers showed up, they, they were able to confront those young males and say, this is what an elephant looks like. That is not what an elephant looks like. 
this is how an elephant lives. This is how an elephant treats women. This is how elephant treats the world around it with respect and with honor. That is not what an elephant looks like. And that is what we're called to do. If you guys could please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 14 through 16. 1 Corinthians 4, 14 through 16. I've always wanted to do this. Can I get an amen when you get there? I am not writing this to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children, even if you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. Out of all of that, I mean, it's pretty obvious to what I'm preaching. That lines up perfectly. But the word that grabs my attention is imitate me. Do as I say, not as I do. To stop sitting on the sidelines and complaining about the world burning around us. When are we going to put our hands to the plow? When are we going to get in and do something about it? Now, I know some of what I'm saying today can be a little weighty. Your family, I love you. And as you were saying, we're seeing a lot of amazing fathers doing amazing things in this home. And this home, this family. Um, but I know God wanted me to put this out today so that everybody broadens their vision, and also to call to those that have never heard something like this or maybe are new to legacy. Imitate me. What does that look like? Jesus, that's how he operated, right? What would Jesus do? Those bracelets that we all wore, and I don't think many of us lived up to it. <laughs> like every other, one in every three people when I was a teenager had one of those bracelets on while they were doing the opposite of what the bracelet implied. But, um, and then I'm going to go to one more verse here. Let's turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 11 through 12. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 11 through 12. <clears throat> Sorry. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. I think that's worth reading one more time. For you know how, like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And I'm going to tie another verse into this before I, I, I break this down a little bit. And it's the one that we all, most of us probably have memorized. But John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. But the words there are loved and gave. He so loved us. Not because we deserved it or that we earned it. He loved us first. He loved and he gave. And that's the model. We need to give. Some of you do an amazing job at being a father to those in your roof. But we have a bigger model to follow. The father's heart for the lost, for the hurting, 
for those that don't have a father in their lives. Those that are, that are just as I was if Phil Beekler hadn't stepped in and looked beyond his four walls, looked beyond just his immediate children and responsibility, but was willing to give of himself, was willing to grab my hand. I love that powerful image from The Chosen when Peter's sinking through the water and he grabs him and he pulls him up. And there's, there's, there's sons and daughters drowning out there. They're drowning. And they need us to grab a hold of them and pull them up. They need us to take action. They need us to give of ourselves. They need us to tell them what right and wrong is. That there is right and wrong. It's not all gray. There is absolute truth. We're, our job as men is to be that standard. As his children, we are called to give of ourselves, as I said. And we have to stop making excuses. We have to stop saying, someday. I'm guilty of that. If we feel we are too weak to meet the need, good. 2 Corinthians 12 says, My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We've got to stop saying, someday. This is a now word. This isn't tomorrow. You don't have to be perfect. To go on a little side tangent for a minute. So, I mean, think about how fast Jesus sent out his disciples into the big scary world. Three years, and it was just chapter after chapter of them being knuckleheads. And he's like, you got it, boys. <laughs> Go get them. You know, I mean, you each have something to give. You each have a fingerprint of the Father on you, something special that the world desperately needs. And the longer you wait around to achieve some sort of perfection, The world's at a loss without you. You are needed. You are necessary. It says the harvest is, I was getting messed up. The harvest is great and the workers are few. <laughs> well, that's definitely what we're looking at. So um, trying to honor the time. Let's see here. So I want to highlight three points because I remembered a good sermon has three points. But I wanted to save it towards the end because I wanted you to remember these points. And there are several points to making a good father and what a good father looks like. I just picked three that really grabbed my imagination. Um, and I'm going to just share them together. <laughs> Intentionality, vulnerability, and things are better caught than taught. Intentionality, vulnerability, things are more caught than taught. One more time, I'm going to drive it home. Intentionality, vulnerability, and things are better caught than taught. It kind of sums up what I've been talking about up to this point is intentionality. That kind of goes back to fathers being in the home but not being present. Where's the intentionality and the responsibility that comes with being a father? Making money and bringing that home is just not enough. It's not. 
you have to have intentionality. And I mean, are you going to accidentally start a successful business? Are you going to accidentally lose those 50 pounds that have been bugging you since you graduated college? Maybe, depending. <laughs> Maybe there, you know, tapeworm, I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but then that wouldn't be an accident. You have to do the, all the great things in life that we're called to achieve, they require intentionality. And so how much more so as a father? Spiritual father? Or if this is a call to you, maybe this is something that's been burning with you that you know that and this is not condemnation. The whole spirit just poking you and reminding you in a loving way. But maybe you're a father that's dropping the ball. It's okay. We all have dropped the ball. We're human and we're going to continue to drop the ball. But let today be the day you go, not in my home, not any longer. These children have been entrusted to me. And I'm going to do right by them. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do right by them. Vulnerability. I've had the honor for the last several months. What has it been? About a year? Almost a year that I've been with George. But I have some spiritual sons and daughters in my life. What a humbling experience. Humbling, humbling experience, and I'm growing and learning and doing the best I can in the midst of all of that. But I said, all right, Lord, you're going to use me. I'm not perfect. This sermon was preaching to me, right? I'm going to do it anyways. There's not some imag imaginary line I'm going to cross, and I'm going to have all my ducks in a row, and everything's going to be perfect. So I'm, when he asked me, I said, yes. <laughs> Thank you for asking. And um, sorry, my mouth is getting dry. But just because you say yes to do something, especially when it comes to relationships, there has to be dialogue and there has to be vulnerability. I just can't act like I'm Superman and I have all my stuff together. Put on the pretenses and talk down to him and your front row get to use you as an example. But that's not how you have a healthy relationship. I mean, between your wife. <laughs> well, she probably knows all your stuff without you having to tell her. Might want to remind you every once in a while. No, but... um. It's good to be vulnerable, right? You need to express where, I mean, in levels. In a father-son relationship, you might not go up to a stranger and tell them all you're a mess. But if you're walking with a son, he has more access to you, healthy access to you. So you need to express to him that, you know what? My life hurts sometimes. I really mess it up sometimes. Bad. I'm not perfect. I drop the ball. But when I can be vulnerable with him and others, and they see that in me, that gives them hope, right? Because they're like, well, if he can do it, then I can do it. So it's being vulnerable. And then the caught, then taught. I think in a lot of ways, that's kind of obvious, <laughs> the statement itself. But I love this quote from John Maxwell. He has some really good quotes, by the way, like a lot of them. But he goes, you can teach your kids what you know, but you reproduce what you are. Ouch. You can teach your kids what you know, but you reproduce what you are. I'm letting that sit for a second. It says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That makes me, when the responsibility comes of mentoring somebody, and now my children are back in my life, and I'm able to slowly grow in my relationship there as a father 
and being intentional, being vulnerable. <laughs> it's, um, it's been powerful, and I don't think I need to say more about it than that. <laughs> so I'll leave that there. Now, when it comes to the three that I laid out, intentionality, vulnerability, and it's better caught than taught, is I can only think of one person that did all three perfectly. Jesus. Jesus is our ultimate example in all things. Jesus is our standard. Jesus stated in John chapter 14, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Think about that. He showed up. He went looking for the disciples. He found them where they were. He found them in the marketplace. He found them fishing and about their work. He went out and found them. And then he lit them, some of them more than others, but he lit them in his inner circle to see what he had to go through, to see the nights where he was hungry. The Son of Man didn't have any place to lay his head in some verses. They got to see him in all of these very human, you know, did Jesus have bad breath in the morning? I mean, if he's human, maybe he did, but, you know, I've been around guys, you know, and flatulence and all that other stuff, right? It's, it's funny, but it's kind of like there's a messiness to life, right? And Jesus was with these people, not up here looking down on them, right? But he was walking every mile with them, step by step. He tackled head on every problem that came at them, shoulder to shoulder with them. Well, in this case, showing them how to do it. So he caught then taught. He spoke it, but then he showed it time again, time and again. I'm going to try to get through this next verse without crying. I haven't successfully done it all week. <laughs> um, while I'm get, building up my, uh, my uh, boldness here, can you turn to Malachi chapter 4? Malachi chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. I will say this is my God-given job description. This is the call of God that he has on my life. Is everybody there? Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Thank you, Lord, for helping me make it through this. There's a lot of destruction going on out there right now. But it can get worse. We are called to be the salt of the earth. We're called to be the light. We're called to make a difference. We're called to get in the game. The coach is putting us in the game. He's begging us to get in the game. And he's given us all the tools. I'm going to just read it one more time. Behold, I will send you a sent one. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers. Lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. I send you. In the name of Jesus, I send you into this world. Call the fathers to the sons and the sons to the fathers. I'm tired of their status quo. That's not our status quo. 
We have a different standard. His name is Jesus. We have a duty to make a difference. We have a duty to stop being passive. It's time to use our voice and to speak out. And I'm going to read this <laughs> so I wouldn't mess it up. So I am calling out to all fathers, and for this statement, all mothers. Stand up to take action. Live in such a way that generations to come will be impacted. I challenge all of us to live to leave a legacy. And I'm going to end by sharing a vision that I got not too long ago. And while I'm sharing the vision with you, um, if you would do me the honor of closing your eyes while I share it with you. I had a vision of a woman knelt down on the ground, battered, bruised, dirty, utterly exhausted. In her arms, she was sheltering a small child who looked absolutely terrified. In the other arm, she was carrying a battered flag that was limply, limply blowing in the wind. And as, I expand, as the vision expanded, I saw that she was knelt down on a battlefield. I saw charred earth, burnt trees, Ground was pitted from explosions. Clouds were dark and heavy. But then a man steps in front of that woman and the child and uses his body to shelter her, to shelter them. He takes the standard from the woman and he faces into the future. And there's now hope in the eyes of the woman and the child. As together, all three of them move forward into the future, advancing the kingdom of God. And I declare that with men in their rightful place, the revival we've all wanted will come. Let that be, Father. May the amazing men of this church and outside this church, this is a now word. This is not just a legacy word. May the heart of the Father go forth. May the enemy's lies be torn down with love and truth. May identity be spoken over the hurting and the lost. May the love of the Father be proclaimed to all corners of this earth. Thank you, Father, that as I'm speaking, there is change happening in the heart of all these listeners, of all present today, that their vision is being expanded, the horizon is being expanded, the part that they have to play is being highlighted. We thank you, Jesus, for what you're doing in our lives. We thank you for the call that is on us. Thank you for being the standard in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And that is all I have.
Thank you so much for joining us as we seek first after God's kingdom and release it to transform lives and cities. If you would like more information about how to grow in the kingdom or connect with Legacy, go to our website, www.legacynb.com.